Welcome, co-creators. I'm Rob. And I'm Hannah. And we are the hosts of a podcast that the name recently changed to Forgive and Live. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'd like to talk about space and fear. Hannah, how are you? I am good. I have had a very pretty crazy week. Um, there's been a lot of shifts. And I know I think last night or tonight is supposed to be the full moon. So we got a lot of energy swirling around and it's almost Halloween, which is awesome. Um, but I'll let you dive into, what did you say? Space and what? And fear. And fear. Okay. Space and fear. Yeah. Space, I think, is space is that Eckhart Tolle term that uh, he talks about, you know, opening up space, feeling the space. Um, it's the it's to me, that is the piece that passes all understanding. It's the what the Bible says, heaven on earth, which is really mental peace. And that equates to what Eckhart Tolle calls this space. And I think that's hard to for many to understand what that means. Space, what the hell are you talking about kind of thing? That, yes, I totally agree. Because I remember when I first started uh, meditating, when I, very beginning, all the way back, um, and I would listen to guided meditations, and they would say, close your eyes and feel the space around you feel your space and then feel the space in the room and for the longest time i didn't understand what that meant i'm like okay so i guess i'm just being aware of my physical body but i think it's from my understanding i think it's supposed to mean feel the space that you're in feel your mental space but also feel your physical space and know that you are a part of the universe and within this space that you are in, you are part of something greater. Because for the longest time, it never made any sense to me. And that kind of understanding came to me the more I did meditation. But I don't know, do you have a different view on that? I don't, I would just describe it differently, but it's the same exact thing. And also throwing in there that slowing down these conditioned habitual thoughts i always talk about this i always go back to this yeah. i firmly believe in it it is i wrote a book on it um called uh stop thinking how to break free from depression and anxiety two minutes at a time i know it's a long title <laughs> but um <laughs> I'm long-winded, so it actually follows along, follows suit with who I am. I, t I love to write and talk and explain things out, and I'm not, uh, I usually don't bring things down, break things down very simply. So the title is kind of um, the same, but stop thinking. The Tao Te Ching says stop thinking and end your problems. There's lots of um, noise in the mind, and the farther the mind has been the longer the mind has been going on these conditioned habitual rants where it's just talking, the, the 
the talk actually morphs into a condition and an emotion like hidden and it's deep and now it's not language now it's now it's not um you know say you're a, a, a kid in school and you fail a test and you have this talk self-talk that says oh i'm no good i stink i yeah. can't get anything done that's that's the that's the beginning stages of conditioning the mind and habitual thought and then the more that happens now it starts getting deeper into the subconscious and then the child gets a little older and he doesn't have to say those things anymore now they're built in he he spoke them or she spoke them into their own life into their existence yeah. and so parents myself included um you know do this to their children by by you know it's a default that we raise our children and and teach them these bad habits like oh you're terrible go to your room and then we go oh i'm terrible and then it, and it gets yeah. st stuck in there yeah and that's the very beginning stages i think of anxiety depression fear anger uh even boredom uh boredom is part of all of that and we could talk on that too like i i think boredom is just as just as a ridiculous emotion as anxiety is yeah but um anyway so space in the mind is first quieting the mind and now when there's a lot of negative chatter that's hidden from childhood when we quiet our busy mind and our busy life now we now the chatter rises up and most of us don't want to feel that energy or see that those thoughts and we go oh no wait a minute this is you know now, now i'm starting to see that when i was a little kid i i did this wrong and that wrong and then i condemned myself for this and the teacher condemned me and my friends condemned me and oh no no no, no. i buried this i don't want to see it but the truth is when we quiet the mind and we allow those things to surface and we look at those with the light of consciousness, which is with, with clarity, which is allowing that to rise and feel, let that, let that negative emotion go through the body. And, and then it dissipates, it goes away. And then this enormous space starts to open up in the mind. And we realize that we're physically running away from a mental condition that we created or that society implanted in us, or maybe it's genetics and hereditary, but we realize that we are the creators of this dysfunction and we've been running away and we have the answer. And so you opening up this enormous place of space is really friggin' scary because these things rise up now we, we don't have a, a lid on it with our overactivity, our over drinking, overeating, over biting the nails, um, or if it turns into something horrible, chronic severe anxiety, or maybe cutting, Pe people cut themselves. They're running away from this mental place of shittiness. And when we, when we do face that, it's terribly difficult. Um, I, I faced 35 years of chronic severe anxiety. I was diagnosed with it. This isn't, you know, just, um, I'm not just making this stuff up. 35 plus years of insomnia. Um, I don't face those things anymore because I faced the fictitious monster under the child's bed. I was full of fear and anxiety and like a little child 
I looked under the bed. I quieted my mind. I let these things rise up in me that said, little Robbie can't do this. Little Robbie sucks. Little Robbie hurt people. Robbie got a divorce. Robbie hurt his children. I mean, it started at a young age and went all the way up to just a few years ago when I started working on myself. And now I noticed that it doesn't exist. The fictitious monster under the child's bed. All of that shit that I've been running away from was self-created and it doesn't exist. And how the hell can that be? So that is space. That's my definition of space. That's what it is. That's how to find space in the mind. What's your thoughts? No, I I love that because, you know, we've we've talked about the breakdown of how I view my, my head and where the, these thoughts are. And... I don't know why I didn't think about it this way, but you're right. There, there's so much more space in my head when the, and now I forget, Pell's called, the thoughts that just are on a rampage. Um, oh, what, wow. What the hell are these? What, what am I trying to say? Uh, that was simultaneous with me, by the way. I just had my my phone just buzzed and then I my mind went off and I was not present with you for a second. And <laughs> I don't know if that was like a weird vibrational 3000 mile apart kind of weird. disconnect or what. That's funny. Weird. Okay. What am I trying to say, though? Because now I forget. Okay. The thoughts that keep coming, that don't stop. What is the name? What are we talking about? Conditioned habitual yes, thoughts is what I call that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to find. Oh, gotcha. okay. The habitual thoughts in my head were taking up all of the space. The habitual thoughts are inherently negative. And they tell you all of these limiting beliefs. And one of those beliefs is that your brain can only comprehend so much, or your brain can only hold so much memory, or your brain can only be, I don't know, linear and not abstract. And all of these habitual thoughts are, are crowding the brain. But what, what we don't realize is there is no crowding. The brain is limitless, just like everything else. But we first have these habitual thoughts that turn into a limiting belief that tell you that other people are in the fault and you're in the right. And you lo lose, in quotation marks, all of this space in your brain. And, you know, oh my God, I don't know why I did that. Like my brain's just spacing today. Like we, we say this a lot. Oh my God, I just, my brain just stopped working. And it's it's because of these habitual thoughts that are just keep coming in, then keep 
telling you that these limiting beliefs are real, which all circles back, and then it's just a discombobulated mess. I, I like how we call it space because there is so much space in the brain and you can learn, you can memorize, you can comprehend, you can understand anything you want to. You can be, you can do, you can have whatever you want. But because the habitual thoughts are telling you that there's no space, it's telling you that you're not enough and that you're not worthy of anything. And what we're, and we, we have space right here and it's space is not normally it's, it's not accepted in the media world. Really? Oh God, no, it, because nobody it, understands it. And yes, it's bizarre. It makes it uncomfortable. People find it to be uncomfortable to be so quiet weird. for a moment. Well, that yes, that is uncomfortable. And that is something that I'm working on myself because I get into those uncomfortable situations where I get bored when I just sit there and I'll get bored. You know, I'm not in a place yet where the boredom is gone. I'm, I'm still working through that. Um, and we talk on this podcast and it's so funny how there's so many people that don't under don't like it because they don't understand it. You know, but that's another limiting belief that you don't understand it when you very well could understand it, but it's a limiting belief that you don't. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I very hard to put into words what I practice. And I, so far I've done a fairly decent job of translating what I think the spiritual teachers and the Bible are referring to. And somehow some things really connect with me and 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 it works i've i've gotten some feedback that say hey yeah you really broke that down and it made sense to me so i want to throw this out there because this came to me and life uh, people humans look at every situation as if it's a brand new situation that needs to be processed differently and uh, i'll try to explain here okay, I'm, I'm following you if if you and i are sitting next to each other and we're looking at a tv screen imagine imagine the tv screen is showing happy scenes and then sad scenes and then depression and anger and imagine the tv is kind of like is kind of like the world. Uh, so we wake up in the morning and, and we have habitual things coming at us, kind of like the TV just is is showing us a, a, a sad scene, a, a murder. And um, sometimes our thoughts come to us that way. And yeah. sometimes we we look at our bank accounts and, and that's a 
moment of, of fear. And, and it's as if we're sitting in front of a television and we're watching this television and, and it is saying, be scared, be happy. It's, it's telling us how to be and we're receiving this. And the, our conditioned habitual thoughts do this for us automatically, the deeply in, deep thoughts. And then the world does it differently every day. The world shows up to us differently every day. So today I might get, my dishwasher might break. And now I have, oh, oh the TV sent me a scary thing. The, the world sent me a scary thing. Now you have to pay a bill and you have too much on your credit cards already. Or mm -hmm. I might, um, my job will call me and say, we want you to do something completely different that you've never done any, any before. And my mind wants to go, dang, can I just do like one same thing? Like this is, you know, now I have to be scared again. And, um, and so what I'm trying to get at is if we could practice watching the TV and saying, I'm at peace. It, it doesn't mean that we need to be emotionless. It means that we need to process the emotion when it comes to us, feel it if we have to feel it or want to feel it, but know that it is not real. We still can look at that TV and go, oh, Jesus, that was horrible. Oh my God. And we can cover our eyes, but we know that it will not clobber us. We know nothing out in that TV is going to jump out and could, could just kill us. But we don't know that in life. We don't take that same kind of perspective to life. We, we look at our bank account or we see our breakup or the divorce or the, the heartbreak or, or the mi mistakes that we make or the things that other people do to us that are out of our control. And we're like, what the hell? Do, why do I, I don't deserve this. Really? This fell on? And, and instead of consuming th th those things into us, we can say, this isn't going to affect me, though, in the long run. I'm taken care of. Universal consciousness has got my back. I'm good. So, yeah, I felt the roller coaster ride. I watched the movie. It was fun. Ta-da-da. Had the emotion. But it's not going to swamp me. It's not going to kill me. And, and at the end of the day, I can lay my head on my pillow and go, wow, that was an amazing roller coaster I went on today. I experienced life. And I experienced with, with my eyes wide open and it felt good and now i'm going to go to bed and and live very present minded i'm i'm trying to give a way to process the world that makes sense that has some some kind of analogy you know and i, I think of the the tv no no i i totally totally following you i think i think this goes back to the whole thing about where we should live, where we should live in the physical or the spiritual. And the answer is both. But like us, we lived firmly in the spiritual, or sorry, firmly in the physical for a good chunk of our lives. And when we have experienced the spiritual, we just want to hang out there because that, that, that immense peace is, is where we want to stay in that space. But I think 
like when we when you talk about emotion like that, I I, th- I think we're supposed to watch the TV screen because it's a part of life. Just like how every person has a cell phone. You know, we know that there are some really bad things that uh, can pull us in on our phone. But we all have one. We, we can't really go through society without one. I mean, you know, it's, it's just how it rolls. I think we have to, when we watch the TV screen, like you say, we have to sit on the fence. We have to sit with the physical and the spiritual and process the emotions physically and spiritually at the same time, I think. Because we're not all white and we're not all black. We're not all good and we're not all bad. We're in between. And I don't think we're gonna learn anything without sitting on the fence and watching both sides and knowing that that jump scare is in the physical, but no, it's not going to take over your spiritual. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I love it. That's, that's your interpretation of exactly how I feel. Oh, okay. I do feel like, you know, you said we're, we're black and we're white. Um, we're, we're, we're in the middle. It's, it's not really one or the other. And, you know, the Tao Te Ching says stay on the white and know the black. Yeah. And yeah, we do. We are in a unique position to be able to sense both of those realms, to, to see the physical and see the manifestations of struggle and bliss and also be in the spiritual and know that we're well taken care of and know that the not just the physical world can come at us in, in strange ways, but even our conditioned habitual thoughts can do that. And to, yeah. to be separate from that. And then when you said sit on the fence, it's perfect because we're, we're now the, the witness. I used to say that I was on the watchtower. And okay, yeah. I, I don't know if that makes any sense or not but it does yeah i sit up there and i monitor everything and i i'm not part of it every once in a while i get overtaken and i wind up i'm not on the watchtower now i'm the little player in in the sand pit and i and i forgot that i was really the watchtower person and Mm -hmm. that's okay that happens every once in a while we get pulled into life and emotions and things overwhelm us um good and bad like i have some good things happening in my life i told you before we started the podcast and my mind was um alive last night and it was good good things it was my mind was going oh la, 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 and it was great and and it felt really good to be back in the sand pit of life and playing with the children in in the playground like a little kid Mm-hmm. As an adult, not in this adult body. I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm giving this analogy of, here's my ten year old body again, and it's playing in the, in the, in the playground, and it, and it's fun. Life became fun for a little while, and then now you and I are having this conversation, and my mind's not off in 
wanderland. I'm very grounded. I'm uh, on the watchtower. I'm aware. I'm the witness. And you're right. We have this capability to be able to do both. And, and I think it's important that we can't be on left field and or on right field. Like we can't be all in the physical and we can't be all in the spiritual because the universe gave us these human bodies. And the point is to, to know that we are a part of something bigger. We are a part of the spiritual, but we have to learn experiences in the physical. And even if we get overtaken for a few minutes or a few weeks or a few years or your entire lifetime here, that's okay because you'll come back and you'll do it again and you'll find the balance. And I am not saying this like it's an easy thing because it's not. I've, I've struggled with knowing where the fence is is and then how to sit there and balance correctly because it's not easy it's, it's, it's not easy you did say before this before we started this podcast you did say that you were looking forward to oh yeah this wonderful time coming up in your life you know that easy the 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 mental shift of complete easiness is on the horizon or am I putting words in your mouth? No, 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 totally true. So for all of our listeners, I finances have been a little crazy for me recently. And I have been avoiding them. I've just been avoiding it altogether. And I've been having, it's been sitting in the back of my mind and like weighing on me these past few weeks. And last night, you know, yesterday, I really sat down and I went through it all. And the minute I sat down, I sat on the fence and I sat balanced. I, I saw both sides and the universe was telling me that I'm all good. This is this financial hook, hic hiccup is just a blip. I'm going to be totally fine. And what I'm going through now is crucial. So I needed to be a little unconscious and a, be a little in my anxiety for the past few weeks. And I now know that I have to put in a little bit more work coming up because what I'm going to, the work I'm going to put in now is crucial because I can feel a massive shift coming in my life. And the only reason I know of this is because I am sitting on the fence, you know, and I was a little overtaken for three weeks and I was a little on, in the physical for three weeks, but it's okay because I'm now sitting back on the fence. So, you know, we have to accept ourselves and forgive ourselves, even if we're a little right field or a little left field, it's okay. You, you can get back to center. It's not impossible. And to find center and to find the fence is hard to begin with. You know, you have to understand the spiritual first and you have to understand the physical and then you got to find the fence and then learn how to sit there correctly or 
balance correctly, I should say. It's very weird. I, I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> yes, you are. I let you go on and on and on without jumping in. I had lots of stuff to say, but you did a great job of explaining that. And I think the most important thing that jumped out for me was the fact that we are both. We're not just physical or no. spiritual. And for the longest time, the line was drawn in the sand and the public's really getting it now. The majority of people know that there's the oh, mental yeah. and the physical now. But back in the day, you know, science, it was either science or religion. And yes. there was never a combination of the two. Now we're at the point where, you know, if you ask the scientist if he believes in God, you know, he would say, of course I do. But back in the day, it would be like, no, there yeah. is no God. There's only science. So, yeah, we're coming a long way with that. And there's definitely both realms and we see it. And there's lots of evidence of how powerful the mind is. So the placebo effect, you give a group of people this pill that has the chemicals makeup in it that will say cure heartburn. And then you give these other group of people a sugar pill that, and you tell them both that this is the real, real deal and it's gonna cure heartburn. And how many people are actually cured of heartburn from the sugar pill? A, a lot. Wow. It happens. It's true. This is the placebo effect. It's a real thing. We can manifest good health. I did it with my spine. My spine was out. The, in 2005, I had back surgery. And then later in life, after the divorce, uh, whatever year that was, I, my back went out. I was um, dire straits, man. I, I, I remember going to the gas station with this big coffee can of change. I was too, too had too much pride to ask my family for money, and I had change. That's how I was living um, for a couple of months. I just barely were making ends meet. My spine is a mess, and I did the placebo effect on myself. I knew it was real. I studied Joe Dispenza's work about how he um, did what he did with his physical um, transformation in, in his life. And then I understand understood his work about like the, the unspiraling DNA or whatever. I'm putting it in my terms. I, I know this yep. scientific stuff is out there. And I did. I healed my spine. Placebo effect. I healed my finances. Um, I'm I'm not where I want to be, but I'm I've made some huge improvements by doing what you were just talking about, knowing that I'm in a physical realm and a spiritual realm at the same time. Yeah. And I, and I, I think that's that's the that's the sweet spot. That's where we should live our lives from because for the longest time I thought if you were at peace you were kind of just a robot and you were at peace with the universe but you really didn't have any human emotions and I thought about that like I thought this for a while and I, I realized that no even if you are at peace you still have human emotions and you you know you're you're you can still be happy sad scared whatever but it's super important to also be human. It's super important to make mistakes, even though those mistakes aren't really mistakes. They're just a small little hurdle you have to get over. And I think it's important to know that we're human and appreciate being human 
you know, we, we think a lot about like aliens and, oh, they're so, you know, above us, right? They've got these bodies that can just go out into space and their bodies can handle it. And they have like the intelligence that we can't even compute, but that's the human in us comparing. We, we really should be grateful that humanity is a thing and that we're on this planet that humanity calls earth and we get to experience. Well said. Thank you. So that covers space and the mind and how to get there and the physical and the mental or physical and spiritual. Yeah. And we even touched on fear. A little bit. Yeah. But I mean, fear keeps popping up. It, 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 it's one of the bigger things in my life. And I think you got it honestly through genetics, the, the, the anxiety thing. And the Tao Te Ching says things like, if you want to be full, empty yourself or something along those lines. And it's constantly talking about duality. And, you know, in order to know pain, you've got to know it's opposite. Yeah. And that's, that's what life does to us. It's this constant opposite. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is without our pain, Hannah, that we've felt with chronic severe anxiety, yeah. without knowing that we may not have known what it's like to be in a mental place completely opposite of that which is very blissful and yes it's part of you know that that's the the Tao Te Ching kind of thing you know it, you you can't know what it's like to be full unless you've been empty so yeah. it's part of life and I'm glad I've experienced it and I'm glad that I have the capacity to know the difference and to bring myself back to the fence or the watchtower you know wh- whatever term you know i can i can come back to the safe zone and know that all is well and know that that's not a that's not a um it's not a security blanket the safe zone the watchtower and the fence is not a security blanket that is a real place of yeah. security to set yourself down on to be the witness of the world it's the surrendering. You have to surrender to vulnerability. You have to surrender to all of your human emotions. You have to surrender and accept that even if you're, I don't know, your body is having an anxiety attack, but your brain is kind of, you're, you're a little like mentally clear still, it, it's still a part of that experience. It's, it's still a part of you know, understanding both sides. And humans want to be spoon fed bliss. We don't want to do this work. No, I would much rather have a vending machine throw dollar bills at me than have to do what I'm doing, which is mental work and monitoring my thoughts and, and recognizing when my body is consumed with habitual thoughts and when i'm at peace and taking the helm 
of the mind or bridling the mind, the, the horse term or, or, you know, I don't like the word control too much, but you know, some people, maybe that word jives, take control of the mind. But, but that's where, that's where the Abraham Hicks leading edge is, is in the mind. It's not in the physical world. It's take control of the, the mind or take the helm back or bridle the mind or get, put some space in the mind. But that's that's where all of the answers are to life. The the bodies, the body and mind go. What what do you gotta say? I I know you want to jump in. I, I just I just thought we're not saying control the mind. We're saying control the limiting beliefs. Not the space. The space, when we find space, is the peace. We're not trying to control the entirety of the mind because when we find that space, it becomes the mind and the mind is the space and the space is the mind. But we're talking about controlling the the habitual thoughts. That's what I'm trying. Sorry. I just wanted to clarify. Keep going. Yeah, that's good because the 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 more different ways we bring in language to help explain this, hopefully the less confusing it is because yeah. words can really distort things. My view of things like the watchtower, yeah. that's kind of almost a domineering, a military kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm up on this watchtower with a gun, like some kind of aggressive terminology. Oh. And so that might not jive with somebody. Somebody else yeah. might rather hear, you know, I'm sitting on a cloud floating through heaven and I'm monitoring my thoughts. That works too. You know, whatever jives with the human being. And I wrote, I posted something along these lines, how words just, we have to listen to someone or read their books or whatever. If it's, if it's Christianity, if it's, if it's a, a version of religion and it's, um, um, I'm a Methodist, or if I'm, um, I meditate or I do yoga or whatever, all these things, they, all they, all they ever do, the Tao Te Ching, um, whatever it is, Tai Chi, Wu Wei, do, effortlessly doing, all of these things can be insanely confusing. And people jump to one side of the fence or the other. They say, oh, no, 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 no. I was raised in a Catholic church and the priests molested children. And yeah. I, I, my, my parents were murdered. So there is no God. God is a bullshit term and I don't believe in God. And, but then there's other people that were raised in the Catholic church that totally believe that that it, it is their thing. The whole idea behind this is whatever jives with you, people don't really like that. They want to pick one or the other. They want to be a Democrat or a Republican. Public and they want to be right or they want to be wrong yeah. and the middle ground is not a um a comfortable place because it means that they have to accept some uncomfortable things about life too if we take this middle ground it's much easier to say i'm right i'm on this hill you're wrong i mean that's the human place but if we can get to the place where we're all absolutely right, we're seeing the world from our perspective of the unique emanation of universal consciousness that we've been created to be. Yep. This is absolutely right. My view is absolutely right. 
And then my job is also to give you that same respect, which is to say, if you're sitting on a fence and that makes sense to you, and I'm on the watchtower and that makes sense to you, I'm not going to pass judgment. That's where you are. That's how you've processed the world. You have to process it differently. You're different. Your fingertips, your fingerprints are different. Everyone's different. We've got to give these people the right to be who they are, to be the, the color, skin color they are, to be in the thought process they are, to be at the level of consciousness they are, everyone. And when we're able to do that with them and we're able to do that with our own self, when we see these conditioned habitual thoughts come up and say you're less than or you're more than, if it's pride or if it's victim, it doesn't matter. When we're able to say, no, I'm 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 none of that. I'm I'm this spiritual entity that's trying this ground out. And this is the way I view the world. It's a wonderful place to live. That's universal. That's not separatism. That's not individuality. That's not saying I'm right, you're wrong. That's not, you know, Hitler and let's kill a bunch of people because I'm right, you're wrong. It's yeah. it's absolute individuality. It's a it's Abraham Hicks selfish nature. She's like, you know, go ahead and be yeah. be, be selfish, but in the divine nature. I, you know, Hannah, I I I selfishly care about my vibration more than I do yours. Yeah. And most people are like, what the hell kind of father are you? Really? You don't care what how how your daughter feels? No, of course not. I, well, I, I, I can't. If I do that, then I've reduced you. I've said you're not capable of vibrating on a high vibration unless yes. you behave the way I want you to behave. That's a dictatorship. That's that's me asking you to be selfish for me. I, I'm asking you to vibrate on your own level of wherever you need to be to be to feel good and wonderful and go through life. And we give when we give people the license to do that, it's wonderful. And I like that because another analogy to that is putting the oxygen mask on yourself. When moms get on airplanes, the stewardess or whoever will tell the mom make sure you put the mask on you first. And for the longest time growing up, I thought, what the hell? My mom cares about herself more than me. I thought I was supposed to be the golden child. I thought I was supposed to be the center of the attention, right? And what I realized is that if my mom put the oxygen mask on her, She's allowing me to put my oxygen mask on me. And if we all do that, we can all have an oxygen mask. We're all putting the oxygen mask on ourselves because we're choosing ourselves. And we're not comparing to other people or feeling less about ourselves because we think somebody else is putting the oxygen mask on them and not you. You know, we're giving everybody the space to be who they are when you do that. And to be happy in that space and, yeah. and happy in the in the spiritual place, the peace that passes all understanding. We don't need most humans need a license or a reason to feel good. And they've built up these limiting beliefs in the mind that says, well, when I get my degree, I'll feel better. Well, yeah. when I get my finances yes. better, I'll feel better. Well, I can't do this job because my I don't have the, the skills. 
And we don't need that at all. We don't need a license. We don't need permission to feel good. We can walk out of our front door with, with whatever it is, whatever the problematic area, physical area is in our life. If it's relationships, if it's finances, physical ailments, we have the right without needing anyone's permission to have the peace that passes all understanding. To say I can look in this world around me and see chaos and still feel good. And people will say, What? There's babies that are being slaughtered over here. Well, I'm not going to reduce my vibration. I can still have empathy and compassion. And if I have the wherewithal to help those babies, I will do that. But I will do that from this vibration up here, not by reducing my vibration. Jesus never went into the city to the blind man and said, oh, let me pull up a chair next to you. Tell me about all your problems. That's what humans do. Yeah. Oh, you poor baby. But yeah. Jesus doesn't do that. He stayed on his high flying vibration and he went in there and he said, be healed. And yep. that's what people don't realize that they have the right to do within their own power is to heal themselves. Yeah, we can all heal ourselves and that's with going inside and that's with sitting correctly on the fence or sit, standing in the watchtower. It's, it's how you got to do it. Yeah. 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 We don't need a reason to feel good. We don't need a reason. No. Well, we, we have a reason. Oh, we, yeah. we have the most wonderful, deep spiritual reason, which is that we're alive and um, we're, we exist on this planet at this moment in this earth suit and i'm going to get another chance at this and i might be in the body that my ego despises maybe by my mind looks out at the world and and sees someone that my ego has labeled as less than and maybe that'll be my maybe that'll be yours maybe that'll be someone else you know maybe this racist person who who hates the skin color of another being maybe they'll maybe that's their next person they're going to come in those that that skin maybe yeah. i don't know we're we're going to be knows. we're just going to this is just going to go on and on until we get it to the level of consciousness where we're accepting all things so the financial trouble the the racism the Whatever it is, we don't need a license to feel the peace that passes all understanding. We can do that right now. And then we can transform and manifest our lives around us according to that. Because then we look out at the mirror, which is the world around us. Once we've transformed our mind and then we look out at the manifested world and we go, oh, wow, look, it's getting better. Now I'm seeing the other person in the paradigm. Now I'm seeing yes. the glass half full, not half empty. And our vision changes out here in the world when we change our mental state of mind. And we say, I, I don't need a reason to feel good. I, I deserve to feel good. I have the divine right to feel good. Yeah. And, you know, I want to broaden this out a bit. Imagine what the United States would look like if we all did that. And let's times that. What would what would the earth look like if we did that? Let's times it again. What would our Milky Way look like? What would our galaxy look like if we did it? Because I feel like because as humans we compare, we say that we aren't capable 
of doing something, you know, because we're human. We have faults because we're human, but what if those faults were for a reason? Because that's what we say, right? Everything happens for a reason. And we learn to raise our vibration globally. We could change everything. We have the power to do whatever we want in a place of vibration in a place of spirituality i'm talking but moving that like blending it in with the physical if we all sit on top of our vibrational foundations or our fences or our watchtowers i mean gosh the things that we could overcome the things that we could change just by changing our mental state Nothing in the physical world, just just our mental state. We could change the world just by changing our minds, changing our habitual thoughts. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that our earth right now isn't beautiful. And I'm not saying that every human on this earth is not beautiful and is not worthy. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we can do better because we're able to do better and we can do better. We just don't believe that we can. And, and doing better starts in the mind. We, you are touching on, on a, something that came up the other day. Mom, um, I sent mom, not my mom, your mom, a text. <laughs> okay. uh, we were talking and I was uh, talking about the different vibrational feelings of i don't care abraham hicks talks about mm. this and she says if someone from another country who you don't know gives you a call and says hey hannah i'm never going to talk to you again and hangs up mm -hmm. your emotional vibrational state is nothing it's i don't care it's it's nothing You've, you're not affected now if someone who you really sorry like, yeah right right yeah. And so if someone who is connected to you, someone who really whom you love and care for calls up and then they're in a state of anger or whatever, and they yeah. say, I will never talk to you again. Now you now you might out of frustration and anger, you might say, I don't care. But yeah. that is actually I do care. That is now your emotional state is a little different. It's yes. it's whoa. What it might be, what did I do wrong? What is the matter with this person? Have you know now you're so I don't care are two different vibrational levels. And Abraham Hicks is asking us to live from a place of I don't care, number one, which is this person on planet X gives us a call who we don't know and says, I, I I'm not gonna speak to you anymore. Our vibrational moment is not rocked, it's just very easygoing still and mm -hmm. um one more analogy that i want to bring into this because this that's abraham hicks's kind of way of putting a, a way to live life my way is watering the garden I, I spoke about this in some of the posts that i've done which is if i'm out watering the garden i'm giving to the flowers yeah. and i'm not asking anything from them my mind is not going i need something from you i'm just this is an analogy for living through life. So I'm just living life. I'm I'm going to work. I'm coming home. I'm feeding my cats. I'm 
chatting with my family i'm living life and i'm doing it from a place of i don't care as if the person on planet x called or i'm watering the garden this is free flowing vibration it's very easy going life is wonderful i'm giving to water to the garden there's no stress when we live life from that place of clarity and calm and peace the world is a better place than the world. Then we don't create problems. Then when we go to the cashier clerk and the cashier clerk makes a mistake and they gives us, they give us less change. And instead of us becoming disgruntled, oh, how dare you? Are you trying to cheat me? You know, and it's a total accident or if it's on purpose, it doesn't matter. Um, we can send a vibration of love at that moment rather than contribute to the vibration of pain and suffering. And when yes. every single person vibrates that way, it's a much better world. And so that that's my analogies of where we can vibrate from, from how to do that, what that looks like. Yeah. And it's so hard because we only have so many examples and we only have so many metaphors and views. It's, it's hard to explain this isn't this isn't easy to explain any of it is like we have a knowing but placing words on it is hard it's it's very hard like i can't i can't sit here and explain to you exactly what my brain was going through yesterday like i can't give you examples because i I just can't like, it's not something that I can, a lot of it's not stuff you can put into words, but if we speak it vibrationally, then somebody can understand it. Yes. And that comes back to when we spoke about horse language, when you're riding a horse and, and mom would say to you, giving you a lesson, soften your wrists and it's words, man, a person, a non horse person, might not know what that is. They might be like, do I need to go get some hand lotion and put that on my wrists? How do I soften my wrists? So yeah, language can be highly confusing. Yes. Yes, it is. And then there's more of a block with this world. We all have different languages. We all speak different languages. You know, I can't speak French or any other language besides English. So me trying to explain something to a French person, German person, whatever, that's difficult. Right. Yeah. But it's another, it's another way to see the differences, but accept the differences as they are and find a different route to go through, you know, speak vibrationally, then don't speak, you know, with words, because we totally can do that. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second, about speaking vibrationally. And what's can so you and I have talked about how we can we know some people that we can look into their eyes and not need to say anything. Yes. We can sit comfortably in the presence of another human being and not say anything and both both people it's not awkward for either like both no. people are on this 
whatever that is. What is that? A level of consciousness. It's a level of understanding. It may be that both people are vibrating on the same vibration, but um, there's clear communication there. They're very clear. Like I can see the heart of another and and I've I've now looked into their eyes and yeah. not everyone, but the, you know, I'm, I'm speaking about somebody in particular that I'm able to, I've read their heart. Like I know it all. Like I don't need to know any specifics about this individual. They don't have to open up their mouth. I know everything and I know, and it's very bizarre. I can, can you talk about that for a little bit? Because I'm, I don't have a lot of clarity on, on that, but I feel like you've learned that lesson before I did. Yeah, I, I did. Um, so there was a person that I could, I could stare at this person. We, we were the same height. Like, I mean, exactly the same height. <laughs> so weirdly, like if, if we were put face to face, our noses would be the, at the exact same level. Our eyes would be at the exact same level. It was the weirdest thing. Um, exact same height. Um, and I could look at this person. We wouldn't talk. I would stare at this person's eyes and we could totally have a conversation. I, in my, in my head, I called it the staring game. Um, it really wasn't a game, but, and it wasn't something that we purposefully did at the time. This is when I was living in Vegas at the time I was deathly afraid of men. And the person I'm talking about is a man. And I would, I was deathly afraid of men. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't look at a man without being in fear. I, I thought all men were bad, that they were bad juju, that they were put on this earth to just absolutely torment me in fear. I could not, I couldn't do men. <laughs> And when I had first met this person, I was deathly afraid of him. Like every other man, deathly afraid of this man. And after, and I couldn't talk to him. And when we would have conversations, it was so awkward. Like awkward, awkward, awkward conversations because I was too scared. I didn't know what to say. And I was just scared, scared. And one day he acted like the biggest buffoon I have ever seen in my life. And it clicked. Like I just looked at him and I was like, he's safe. I knew he wouldn't hurt me. He, because to me, I thought all men were stoic. I thought all men were manly and tough and never showed emotion. And because they never showed emotion, they didn't have emotions besides pain and anger and just domination. 
right? And I saw this man just goof off, just be totally idiotic. And I went, wow, he has emotions. Like, how sad is it for me to think all men didn't have emotions? And after that day, it, it just, it just clicked. It was, I was totally fine because I knew he wasn't going to hurt me. And I saw him more of just a human. I saw him more than his name. I saw him more than, you know, him being 5'11 or six foot or however tall we are. And I could communicate with him vibrationally. Now at the time I learned, I learned later on that we were speaking vibrationally. I didn't exactly know that at the time, but I knew that I would do anything for him and he would do anything for me as human beings on a level of just being humans, of being friends and knowing each other that we were just two humans who can, who could look into each other's eyes and see each other. He, he became, he, he became another soul that I could connect with. And I've realized I can do this with everybody. I can look into literally anybody's eyes and connect with them. But I think, well, I know he was put in my life for a reason. You know, I know that I was supposed to connect with him that I, he was there to help me for three years in Vegas. Like he was, he was my rock for three years. I, I couldn't function without him for three years. And I was supposed to go through the hell I went through in Vegas, but I was also supposed to learn this experience that I learned with this person. And I will always treasure the three years I had with him, just being friends of just knowing him. Um, and he taught me so much. He taught me so much. And it's, it's those human connections that are so wonderful. They're, they're, you realize the comparison is gone. It is literally acceptance and love, platonic, platonic love for another person just because they're another soul. And I've always heard that you can see somebody's soul in their eyes. And I, I, I firmly believe, believe that is true. I, I don't know what it is about the eyes that are so, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it. Honestly, I, I, I don't quite get it. I, I don't know why the universe chose for us to see our soul and our souls and another person through our eyes. I mean, I guess it's just because we see through them, but I, I don't know. That's always been weird for me, but 
and it, it, it was such a weird thing because I didn't understand what was going on. But all I knew is that he was safe, that he wasn't going to hurt me. And that I could tell him anything and I would be there for him. He would be there for me. And ultimately it just came down to, he was a human that I recognized. I recognized his soul. I could see his soul. I'm talking. Was there any part of you that was nervous about him seeing your soul through your eyes? You know, this is funny. No. The, okay. That question directly, how you, how you said it. No. What I was afraid of was speaking to him physically. <laughs> it's not weird. So vibrationally, yeah. it was totally fine. But like me, um, if I were to explain something physically, like actually speak with my mouth, I would get like a little nervous that he would judge me about what I would say. To all of, to our listeners, Guys, I, I could not be vulnerable in any portion of my life. Like, I am talking, saying thank you was hard for me. Like, for basic shit. Like, oh, you give me an apple? Thank you. Like, that was difficult. And... I think the reason was is because I grew up with horses and I didn't realize this at the time, but I grew up with horses. I was speaking vibrationally to horses. I've always done it. I've always clicked very well with horses because, because I was speaking vibrationally. Horses obviously can't talk physically, but I could totally have a conversation with a horse or I can totally look at a horse and be like, yeah, I know what that horse is thinking. So I think for me in this lifetime, I had to learn how to express my emotions and my thoughts vocally. And this is ironic because I'm doing a podcast and I talk about everything now. It's very funny. Um, but it was very hard for me to vocally speak about anything. It was, it was just, it was hard. I, in... I don't know. I was so shy growing up. I wouldn't talk to anybody. God, in school, I'd never raise my hand. I would never talk. I, I didn't talk to anybody until I got to like, I don't know, upper middle school or something. Like I wouldn't talk at all. Like I couldn't talk. Um, it was so hard for me to vocally express myself. And I, I think that's why I can understand people a lot better vibrationally is because I've been doing it since I was a child. I've just been doing it on horses instead of humans, but that's the same thing. And the, the trouble that you had with talking to people, was that, um, I'm being careful with my words. Um, was, was that, whose fault was that? <laughs> that I couldn't speak? Um, whose, whose fault is it that you 
went through that tough time and could not function happily and joyfully as a child? Well, this is, this is an interesting question because there's multiple things that are coming to my head. First, when you said it, I said, no one, it's no one's fault. <laughs> See, this is funny. Technically, no, not even technically. Te okay. Technically, it's my fault. I wanted to say it was the universe's fault when I said technically the first time, but it's not because I know that as souls, we have free will. And I believe we choose the lifetime that we go into. I, I believe that we, before we come into the lifetime that we're in, we, we choose it because it's something that we have to learn. I, I think, I think as a soul outside of our body, if we're like beyond the veil or where, wherever you want to say the universe is, I believe that we can look down on earth and be like, okay, there's this lifetime I could walk into and I know I have to, I know I'm going to be silently mute for a long time in my life, but I know that I have to be because X, Y, and Z is coming up later. Like I need, I know that I need to, as a soul, learn this lesson and this is a lifetime I can do that in. So I place myself into that lifetime because I believe we have free will. Um, so I believe that it's my fault because I put myself here, but it's no one's fault because it's a lesson. It's not a fault. It's, it's the experience that I chose to experience, experience it basically. Are you uh, just saying that because you don't want to blame your father for your shitty childhood? No, because my childhood wasn't shitty. My childhood was supposed to happen because I chose this lifetime. I chose to be in, in this lifetime with you. What? I'm speechless. <laughs> um, that's a very freeing place to be. Um, because when we take the onus and the responsibility for our emotional well-being in the present moment, and we don't need someone to blame someone else, or we don't need someone else to change in order for us to feel good, you put yourself in a very powerful place. And this makes me emotional just to speak to you because it does. It's... um. I you, I think you know I if if you needed to point the finger of blame to me that would have been fine, but yeah. I know that you're honestly have freed yourself from everything, and you're not tied to anything, and you have the keys to heaven within yourself. You found them, and yeah. you're capable of going through the rest of your life not needing a damn thing to change for you to be peaceful and i've only just learned that lesson i'm 51 and you're 30 years ahead of me now you're you know you're you're 21 so you're you've learned a lesson in life that took me a long time to learn and um 
I, I couldn't be happier. It makes me teary-eyed. <laughs> it's, it is, it is. Yeah, and I wish, I wish I had a way to explain how I got here. But I don't. <laughs> I, I wish I could. I wish I had words of wisdom to tell our listeners to be like, hey, do X, Y, and Z to free yourself. But I, I don't, you know, because I can't live everybody else's lifetime and no one can live my lifetime. And we have to learn what we have to learn when we have to learn it. And I thank God that I met you and I thank God that I'm in this lifetime and I thank God that I met the people that I met, whether they hurt me in the past or they didn't. Um, I forgive everyone and I forgive myself and I'd love this life and I will continue to love my lives. And I appreciate, I, I know that I am a soul that's older. I know that for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but I know that I am older and that means I've lived a lot of lifetimes in pain. And I appreciate my old lifetimes because I know that I've had to go through some shit, but that's okay. Cause that's what we're here to do. We're here to experience. And that means going through shit. That means going through the trenches. And I send gratitude to myself in this lifetime, in all of my past lifetimes and in my future lifetimes. You said the key words, which is continue to forgive. And we, you, we re retitled this to forgive and live and it couldn't be more appropriate. And no. that is an amazing title for the podcast. It's an amazing uh, synchronicity or, you know, just, it is totally tied into who you are as a human being. And you've learned this lesson to, forgive it every second of life every every moment that comes up it's another moment of forgiveness and acceptance and it never ends nope. and it's beautiful and it only deepens the further you go into it the deeper it gets yep. and it makes you love life in all aspects and it makes you love every human that's on this earth and it makes you know your truth. It makes you know you. It's crazy. I think it's a I, I I think it's a good time to to end this um, for multiple reasons. But I we you, it's forgive and live. And this was a very um, emotional place. And I I I like where we ended up here. I, I like how it came full circle to forgive because. That that's 
what that's actually the beginning. The, the forgiveness is the beginning because eventually there's no need to forgive. There's only just Living. wonderfulness. Yeah. Yep. Forgive and live. Yeah. I'm so glad I found that title. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I love how it looks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a statement. Well, everybody, this concludes this episode. Like always, we love being here. We just, we are over the moon to do this, honestly. It's so much fun and it's helpful in every sense. It's helpful to us and I, and I, I, I hope it's helpful to you guys and it's just, it's a blessing is what it is. Um, I don't know. Do you want to say anything before I wrap her up? I agree, Hannah. It's a blessing to be able to do this, especially with you. What a wonderful um, time it is for me to expose my, what the ego calls as weaknesses, which are actually very powerful places of emotions and vulnerability and transparency. Yeah. And to, to do this growth process alongside of you is wonderful. And then to do it with the public is is scary to the ego, but it's it's also wonderful. It's it's helpful for me because I'm allowing that side to me that the ego says, oh, you might want to tweak things, um, you know, watch what you say or whatever. It's it's very freeing to to take that off of the mental chopping block and just be me and then to do it with you uh makes it even better so yeah great episode i i love every one of our episodes i feel so much better at the end of our episodes yeah. i look forward to having them i don't think i've ever come to one of these late i love them <laughs> if i'm in tennessee i, I do this if if yeah. we have to move them to a saturday we do it but we don't miss no we and don't i love that <laughs> No, we don't miss because we love it. Um, but anywho, I hope everyone has a safe and happy week. We will see everyone next Sunday.